0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends behind Beyond the Binary, my patron peeps, uh, thinking of more bi- biopic titles. Uh, After a Snore is Shorn, uh, was sleepless in, the podcast that if it was a biopic would be called Sleepless and Forlorn. Uh, but uh, ideally, then you sleep until morn. It's time for the podcast. You support it. Keep going, patrons. It's, uh, it's time for Sleep with Me. Podcast will put you to sleep. Whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time and temperature, changes in routine, whatever it is. So stuff could be on your mind, it could be feeling physically, it could be coming up emotionally. Whatever's keeping you awake, it could be any of those things, it could be other stuff. Uh, I'm here to take your mind off stuff and keep you company. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, uh, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. I'm going to go off topic, uh, you know, like uh, barely, uh, I'll go off topic. Maybe I won't, uh, I'll definitely go off topic. I don't know if I'll ever get, ba- uh, I'll, you know, a meander. I get mixed up. I fr- forget stuff, uh, Go on tangents. I'm going to send... Did I say I'm going to send my voice across a deep, dark night? I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Nice, smoothed-out, safe place. And the show is really here. If you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. That, uh, that's one message. Uh, Two, a couple pieces of information. Structurally, if you're new, what to expect. show starts off with business. Uh, that's literally how we've made the show for almost 800 episodes. So it's here to... Uh, Oh, so the show starts off with business. That keeps the show free. It, then there's an intro. The intros are around 12 to 14 minutes or so. And it's kind of your bedtime wind down. A little bit of a check-in, a little bit of a wind down, where I'll uh, kind of explain what the podcast is, get you settled in, and you can slowly wind down. Then there'll be some business between the intro and the sh- episode. And then tonight will be our episodically modular series, Big Farm in the Sky P.I., season two. And then the show closes out with some thank yous and good nights. So that's the structure of the show. And what else? Uh, Oh, oh, the intros. It gives you a little more info on the intro structure because some people get confused. They feel like uh, new listeners, uh, which is natural. If you're skeptical or you're confused, you're probably in the right place because I would be skeptical too. Uh, and this podcast is very confusing. It, um, naturally, uh, by me just being myself, uh, I, I, it, it travels a secure, circuitous route. Uh. But so structurally, oh, the intro. So the intro, some listeners will fall asleep during the intro. The majority of listeners kind of use it as part of their getting ready for bed routine. Uh, that, that that's just kind of how the show's made. So you say, okay, I'm winding, I'm getting ready for bed. I we got scoots on. Maybe do some light late hair brushing, some patting of pets. Uh, maybe kiss, you know, kiss. No petting, you know, because that, like, uh, but you know, maybe kiss on the cheek. Maybe you kiss your own shoulders. That's what I like uh, to say. I don't know that that has barely caught on with listeners. But if you're looking for like something. That is not only symbolic of self-care and self-love, but it was also, uh, I, I think, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm no expert in the end, like any of the inner workings of the human body, but I could tell you whether you're kissing a clothed or, or, or uh, 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 exposed to shoulder. or nuzzling it, or, you know, light kiss of your own shoulder. You like, I'm going to do it now. And my, my, you know, I have a shirt on, but I say, okay. And do it slow. You know, don't instantly jump into a shoulder kissing routine. You know, you don't want to, you know, ease your way into it. It gives you a little stretch. Here, I'll do it again. I I, I just kissed both shoulders, uh, but, uh. It's just, you know, or a peck, I guess. Uh, but oh, those are, oh, so the intro is part of the wind, people's wind-down routines. About 2% of listeners skip the intro, go right to the, they, you know, they listen to the sponsor messages and then the episode uh, just portion. They skip ahead. And uh, some listeners uh, or more listeners, that uh, you'd be surprised to hear from, uh, listen during the day. Uh, 'Cause it's kind of like a little break. When they need a little break in the day they put on scoots and he may ideally I make things feel okay. So that's just sh- sh- structure of the show. As far as rules go, we don't really have any rules. There's a lot of different ways to use this show. But here's a couple of things you need to you don't need to listen to me. So don't feel bad if you fall asleep right away or if you've changed the volume or the speed of the show. Don't worry about those things. Those are perfectly natural ways to do it. Uh, Um, What was my point? uh, uh, Oh, uh, there's no wrong way. Oh, you don't need to listen to me. That was point one. Two, no pressure to fall asleep. I really want you to know. I'm going to hear the reason the shows are over an hour is uh, to give you plenty of time to drift off as you need it. So no pressure to fall asleep and no pressure... Uh, to uh, pay, pay strict or close attention because, uh, yeah, I'm going to be here for, for a while. So but, but, yeah, you ease into sh- sleep. That's why the shows are here, made in an hour. The show episodes are complete because uh, they make the show just as much for the people that fall asleep in the first few minutes as they do for the people who can't sleep at all. Like, I'm here to keep you—if you, if you if, say, Scoots, I got a— you know, I got it. I got worse. Like whatever. I got a birthday tomorrow, and I can't. I said, Don't worry. I'm going to be here all the way to the end to keep you company. That's really my job. Uh, whether you hear me or not, uh, I'm here for you. That's really what the show's about. Mainly to take your mind off of stuff. Uh, there's no pressure to fall asleep or no pressure to listen, because I'm here to walk at your side as you drift off at your leisure. And the reason I make this show, and you'll be hearing this, like, in a totally different time than when I'm making this, uh, but the show just had actually a big anniversary for for sleep, for people that, you know, with sleep stuff. It's uh was a spring ahead a couple days ago, and so this is a show, I think, so 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, it's our sixth uh, spring ahead, and uh, th- that's kind of a big deal because the springing ahead is uh, S-U-C-K-S, uh, uh, like an exclamation point, you know, all caps and bold it. Uh, and so it's really my honor to make this get past the sixth springing ahead. Now, th- not everyone in the world has this daylight savings time; they call it. And there are pluses to it. Uh, Like, I don't know. Like, again, people debate, why don't we keep it or whatever? It does make us, you know, it changes the time you go ahead an hour. Usually it's Saturday night, Sunday morning. Sunday morning, technically, around 2 a.m. or something, it becomes 3 a.m. or 1. I don't, I don't, I don't actually understand it myself. And, uh, it tends to just not be easy for people, not only because it changes your sleep, it changes the time. It changes your relationship with daylight initially, depending on what time, you are you know, your schedule. And also just for me, it makes me think about stuff. It makes me think, uh, oh boy, I didn't realize, that's what happened to me. I was on an elevator at a hotel when I saw the sign. It was on my general radar of things I forget about uh, and then, of course, I never know the date. So I said, is that next to Saturday? No, they wouldn't have a photo, Xerox a photocopy of a clock from like a print shop deluxe to uh, 97 or whatever up on this elevator. So I said, maybe that's, and then I said, what day is it? Because I was at a conference and it was Friday. And I said, oh, no, that's tomorrow. And I said, well, I'll still be here tomorrow. So it looks like I'm springing ahead and I said, oh, great, because uh, I was already on the East Coast. So my time was, I live on the West Coast. Oh, so what's the daily savings? So when you move your clocks ahead an hour, it keeps us on our toes. I think that's the official uh, for, from the daylight savings o- office. They say, daily savings time keeps you on your toes. It good r- for uh, getting on your kids' nerves if they have to go to bed and the sun's still up. Uh, since whatever friggin' year we invented this thing. Uh, so... Uh, so for me, and this is just an example of why I make the show because I've been there. Uh, and I, I'm trying. I guess I'm not trying to rehash any of this stuff, but it's. I guess it's far in the past. Oh, that, that's what kind of my point is. Uh, okay, so I had uh, then I had a four-hour time change because I was already on East Coast time. Then it springs ahead, and again. Yeah, but I was kind of used to it. But then also I was leaving on a Monday morning, very early on a flight. Uh, so I had to be up around 5.30 a.m. And I know a lot of you can relate to this. Uh, and so then a lot of different mecha- like internal mechanisms started, gears started. Uh, winding would be an inaccurate term. Grinding, moaning, uh, those type of things. Because I said, okay, how many alarms do I need to set? How much sleep am I going to get? You know, those kind of things. We call them brain bounce I, I won't dig too deep. Except to tell you that I wish the the part of me that went through all that, uh, that's here with you now, the time traveler, could have said to me at the moment, uh, that night, like around 7, when I was uh, like a pinball bouncing off, I said, hey, hey Scoots, listen, uh, don't worry. Like yeah, you're gonna you're trying to go to bed between ten thirty and eleven thirty. I realize with the springing ahead and everything, that's confusing. Even if you fall asleep at like twelve thirty, that'll be about five hours. You'll hopefully get a decent. You can also sleep. You got a six hour flight, so you'll be able to sleep on the plane a little bit. And I don't think you'll be too like you'll sleep on the plane a little bit. You'll get home. And then you could just go to bed early at your normal bedtime. And I think it'll work out. I mean, I realize it's very intense. And I realize you have valid concerns about uh, your alarms and getting up and getting to the air. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, but I just want to be here. And, you know, I, I can't do that for myself. That's why I do it for you to say, hey, I just want to take your mind off of stuff. It's going to be one, your, your concerns are valid. And it's not easy when you're thinking about all this stuff. Uh, but here, I'm going to be here to kind of take your mind off. Stuff, tell you a story, and you know, I guess like even I, I'm resistant to someone saying, uh, "Don't worry, it's not gonna, it's going to be fine." And sometimes that, and that even if it was me telling myself, uh, there's one way to do it. There's another way to do it to be like, "What if?" Uh, you know, some a breath of relief, a breath of fresh air to say, "Hey, I think it's going to be okay." or or I don't know what the right wording is, because even then I say, why don't you mind your own business? You see, well, actually, I'm a part of yourself from the future. Just telling you, you slept two hours on the plane. It was great. And you're still able to get four hours of work done on the plane and sleep two hours. Uh, Then you had an hour BART ride where you got another hour of work done. And then you got home, you got everything done, then you went to bed at 9.30. So, uh, but I just, you know, I think it's going to, it's okay. It's okay to be concerned. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know if that's quite the essence of the show. I don't know if that's quite the essence of the show, but I it just want you to know, you know, that, that I go through that kind of stuff. And, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's what you're here looking for, especially if you're new. He's a, a k- caring colder, colder sh- shifter, a caring shoulder kisser. You know, I kiss my own shoulders, but I, uh, also encourage you to kiss your, your, kiss your shoulders. That does sound like a punchline on a, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, sitcom though, kiss your own shoulders, Bert. It's actually as part of my self-care routine. I will. Uh, thank you. Maybe like when they leave the restaurant, they say, don't forget to kiss your own shoulders. That could be a sign above a restaurant. That would be an interesting place to eat. Uh, uh, Karen's Karen, that was what we'd call it, uh, Karen's Karen Karen, because uh, there's also, like, C A. like, I don't even know what that is, but, uh, anyway, main message I wanted to let you know is, uh, reason I make the show because I want to help. Now, this podcast doesn't work for everybody, but the majority of listeners, uh, which is a lot that I hear from, uh, listen to two or, you know, that it took two or three times until I realized, uh. Yeah, this podcast is a bit different. It takes a couple times to get a... Where you say, oh, wait a second, I get it because I don't understand it. So if you're new, give it a few tries. If you dislike dis- dis- the podcast, go to com slash no thank you. That's like an option for people that it doesn't work for. It has other sleep podcasts, other things I use... Yeah, but the main thing I want you to know is I'm here to help. I, 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 I work very hard. I yearn and I shrive, and I'd really like to help you fall asleep. I appreciate you coming by. If you're a regular listener, uh, you're still with me as you're drifting off. These are a few of the ways we keep the show going. Okay, hey everybody, it's uh, Scoots, and uh, let's see. So we're welcome to our ongoing episodically modular series, a Big Farm in the Sky PI, uh, season two. And you can listen to these episodes pretty much in any order. I think the first two episodes are uh, you could they're connected, but you could you could still listen to those in any order. So if it's your first time listening, you're in for a treat. Because not only will it be an enjoyable episode to put you to sleep or to keep you company, but I'll explain everything you need to know right now. So you say, Scoots, I don't know. It says Big Farm in the Sky, P.I. episode 8 or 9 or whatever number you can't remember right now. And I see, yeah, no problem. I'm going to fill you in. Big Farm in, the P- Big Farm in the Sky, P.I. involves three main characters. G, G-E-E, D-K... D, capital D, period, K, period, or just DK. And Simon, uh, S I M O N. Those are the three main characters. What do you need to know? G and DK, best friends, a sister like relationship. They live, uh, well, they currently, I guess, temporarily live with DK's Aunt Penny. In the largest retirement community in the U.S., the towns, that's T-O-W-N-E-S, or yeah, towns uh, in Florida. And what they're they're doing is doing like kind of like a working sabbatical from school. They're in their tweens, I think, or they're they're somewhere between 11 and 14, maybe according to my back of my envelope calculations, when I ask I say what, what age they just sigh and roll their eyes. So I don't know exactly, even though I'm the creator. I say excuse me, just just so we get on the same page as I'm writing out your care. Okay, can you so you know maybe they are twins. does that make them twins? Uh, but they're, so they're doing a working sabbatical. They're such a, a good students. So they approach their school. And they said, what if we start instead of work a semester to a school, we work, We start our own business? Uh, I think they call that like a, a, a broader education, real life education. I don't know what the term for it is. Uh, and they worked with their school to develop a curriculum where they would run a business in the towns in Florida and learn. And what was their business, you say? Well, kind of like a helping business, a little bit like a PI, private eyes. Uh, also, like a clean-out business, a little bit of a little bit of Marie Kondo in there, where they would help people find stuff, maybe organize stuff, or solve mysteries. That's the key part. Uh, just like the, you know, they are inspired by the great kid detectives of the world. I think a new Nancy Drew movie might be coming out too. Like, because uh, my phone hears me say stuff and it sends me ads about it. That's not a mystery. So they're in the towns solving mysteries. Now, Simon is uh, G's uncle. And Simon is uh, also a PI. Simon is the big farm in the sky PI. And what Simon did was uh, once upon a time, Simon lived on the earth, just like we did human being, earthly resident. And then, you know, sometimes they say cash, you got your check cash or whatever, and Simon found that his check was cashed, and it said go from earthly existence here on planet Earth uh, to your next stage of existence in the big farm in the sky. Uh, so this is not a uh, big farm in the sky. Here's what I do know. It's not like a middle world, but it's not an all-or-nothing world either. Like that's what I would say. Well, you could end up... Uh, so, like, the good place, there's a the good place, a bad place, and Eleanor makes a pitch for the medium place. And Mindy McClure or whatever, uh, she lives in another place. Like, so, it's none of those places, though. It, the big firm in the sketch is just, like, a n- next plane of existence for Simon. Maybe not for everybody. Again, I'm just following Simon's story. And if you want to hear more, season one of Big Farm in the Sky is available in the podcast feed, too, about two years ago, maybe. So check that out. But so Simon, when season one was solving mysteries in the Big Farm in the Sky, because Simon got to his next phase of existence, said, I'd like to be a PI. Uh, So that's one thing. Uh, So now what they're doing is solving mysteries mostly in the towns. So Simon helps G and DK. By what mechanism, you may say, which is a great question. Great question. And what Simon does is now, okay, so like uh, if you go to the big farm in the sky, let's say 2 billion people have transitioned from Earth to the big farm in the sky. There's probably like a 4 in 2 billion chance you could be a Casper-like being that could go from the big farm in the sky and visit the earthly realm. I don't know if that's what they call it, but that sounds like something they might call it, right? And maybe out of those four, and this is just, you know, guessing math, but, uh, like some of those could just observe or maybe make sound effects, but Simon can do full phasing. So Simon can talk to DK, observe things, uh, Pretty much a full activity. I mean, there probably are downsides, but that wouldn't be super important part of the story. We're just focusing on the stuff that's uh, somewhat interesting. Uh, but basically, Simon helps the G and D K solve things. Simon also go, will occasionally go back to the Big Farm in the Sky, and Simon is also uh, working in a business in something called the Phantom Minnow. That was what we thought the season was going to be about, but it turns out, you know, G and D K had other plans. So that's about it: two kid detectives and a being from Big Farm in the Sky. PIs, all of them, uh, solving mysteries. And the only mystery is a great person who needs no mystery or introduction, but can you know can give me mysterious looks. Uh, the master of mysterious looks, uh, the person who introduces the series, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Thank you. As the ladies and gentlemen, the boys and girls, the friends behind the binary. It's time for a Big Farm in the Sky. P.I. Let's crack this case. Wow, that was haunting. Oh, I can't use that word. That Wow, that was a delicious... Uh, Uh, Antonio, and thank you so much for coming. You know, you're really popular with the listeners. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, I'm I'm sure you're popular pretty much everywhere. Uh, Thank you, my friend. And everyone really appreciates appreciates the fact that you drive uh, from L.A. here and back. uh, But the two of us are driving together uh, uh, two trips, hopefully. Like, you'll come back. Like, I'm going to drive with you right after we record this down there. And, uh, you know, talk to you the whole time or maybe for work on my podcast. Uh, so I can't wait to spend uh, six plus hours in the car with uh, you. It's like a dream, like you make my dreams come true. Uh, you are the, uh, the oats to my hall, my friend. Uh, I will go sit quietly, quietly in your bed and wait for return to the City of Angels. Okay, thanks, thanks. See, this is kind of like a pun because we're doing "Big Farm in the Sky." Pi. I mean, in in in. Uh, yes, I did not realize my pun. Also, pun rhymes with buns, uh, which you well, anyway. Big farm in the sky. Pi. Thanks, everybody. Uh, hey, Diane, it's me, Simon. Just checking in. We've got a uh, Diane. We have a case of lost and not yet found. Uh, like a like a ticking mystery, Diane. Oh, no, with the ticking clock. That's what uh, GNTK said. Make sure these are the important things we know so far. And uh, so we have a missing item we're we're trying to track down, Diane. And the missing item is a Radiotopia challenge coin uh, from one of their. uh, uh, It's not a fun fun drive, uh, but it kind of like where they're raising money for all the shows on Radiotopia. Uh, now, originally they had a, a 99PI challenge coin, Diane, which I uh, happened to have in my possession when I was in the earthly realm. Uh, but this is a Radiotopia one, which is a silver blue, and I'm also familiar with how it looks in and GNDK. And well, now we're very familiar. And uh, believe it or not, now my 99PI challenge coin DK made it into a belt buckle. Which is very cool, and I asked her if that was now her lucky coin, and she said she doesn't believe in luck; she believes in good design. And I said, "Well, aren't you like a like a, like, a, like a chip off of the uh Avery or Truffleman or Katie Mingle?" And and then she 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 said, "Well, you know, she no, and she said to some famous designer." And I said, "Oh, okay, yeah." I'm not familiar with those things. Anyway, so but I would, okay, so we're missing a Radiotopia Challenge coin, Diane. And uh, uh, so it's not a lucky coin, but it means a lot to this person because they were supporting it uh, with someone important. We're trying to keep our clients a little bit more under wraps, at least this one. Uh, they had purchased it. It has a emotional resonance for them beyond reminding them of, uh, you know, supporting stuff. Uh, and what happened was uh, the coin went missing. And, uh, like, they they kind of realized it was, they couldn't find it, and they thought it would turn. At first they said, huh, because they usually almost always had it on them. Yeah, but then they thought, as some of us do, that are a little bit calmer—not me, Diane—but they said, uh, "Okay, maybe I put it down somewhere in the house. You know, I came in, I was on the phone, and I put it down somewhere." Now they do keep a good—they do keep a good schedule, so this gives us some things. And so, but this is where it came in. So, so they hired us. They said, "I think I've just misplaced it in my house, and now I can't find it," or they're. Uh, I don't know what they call it, like a condo or a townhouse. Uh, so they, they, where they, they're home, you walk in the front door, uh, give you the layout. Uh, a couple of important pieces. There's no garage, uh, so that helps. Uh, no attic, no basement. Uh, but you walk in the front door of where they live. Uh, it's a part of like a building with four units, uh, all one story. And when you walk in the front door, there's a little bit of a hallway. To the left of the hallway is a bathroom straight ahead. To your right is a closet. And to your left is a guest room, guest bedroom, or office. In this case, uh, it was an office with a bed, uh, with a twin bed. And then, if you walk a little bit further down the hallway, to the left is like another closet, which you could use as a pantry, yeah, a pantry closet. And to your right is the kitchen. And the kitchen is, you know, small for two people or one person. And there's like, an, like a, if you're standing in the kitchen and you just walked in, to your left is the sink and the dishwasher. And it's the kitchen's open from there to the living room. And then straight ahead is your stove and oven and your cabinets. To your right is your refrigerator. To the right of the refrigerator are some windows facing out front. And to the right of that is just wall space and stuff where you put, like, your, you know, shelving and stuff like that. Then if you go back to the hall and you continue, you'll be in the living room straight ahead. Beyond the living room is the l- l- lanai, they call it, which is like a screened-in, gla- in this case, a glassed-in porch, but you can open the windows so it could be screened in. If you're standing in the living room, to your left is the bedroom, and if you're standing in the bedroom to the left is the master bathroom or whatever, the bedroom bathroom. If you go out on the lanai, the lanai stretches across to the back of the hole. So you could go out on the lanai from the living room and then back into the bedroom. So there's two sets of sliding doors. There's also a big closet on the lanai with a washer and dryer in there. And then there's a, then there's a door that leads to a small uh, patio. And then there's some nature area uh, beyond, like with some grass before the nature area. And the reason it's important is we just did uh, over a, a bit of a span here. So our client, the coin was missing for a while, didn't turn back up. A client contacted us. Uh, it, at first, it was more of a misplaced than a uh, mis- mystery or missing, I mean, it was a missing to misplaced. And then, now, D K have become very, very experienced in this. Uh, and they really have developed a methodical system. And not only methodical, but with add-ons. So, so something like, like, you could watch, and they even encourage people, to say, well, we don't offer a Marie Kondo system. But, you know, you could watch those videos, or you could watch some other decluttering, and while we're, uh, Methodically looking on a grid by grid, we, we, we use grids and a lot of different. Uh, they have a system with uh, bins, uh, multicolored, like kind of like rubber plastic bins uh, and sub bins or boxes. Uh, and they tell the client, okay, like when we're done with one grid. You know, you could do declutter or do whatever because we're going to search the grid very, very uh, closely. Uh, the other thing is that they actually have help. So Aunt Penny, in these g- grid by grid systems, once G and D K have kind of te- taught you, it's a pretty safe, straightforward because you're only working in one grid, and you're taking everything in the grid, you're putting it into a bin. But then you're checking the remainder of the grid, and you're saying, "Okay, I I was paying attention as they placed everything in the grid into this bin." Then a second banker person will take everything from one bin into another bin, so a double check. And then the client chooses, like, "Okay, do you want us to put everything back? We had we took a picture." Or do you want to go through stuff and and do it themselves? And they even you know they're affordable bins. Uh, so they say we could keep it bin for you if you like. And you know they have every they have different rules. You know for like a pantry, which is like more you know would be broken into subgrids, or a refrigerator or a closet. Uh, or a section of a room. Uh, so really easy, you know, at first it was a little bit more complicated as they were d- designing their system. And they would use masking tape or painter's tape to kind of like actually make a physical grid. Uh, but as then, as they started being, bringing in kind of freelance help, uh, to help with things, uh, you know, they, they would train and they say, okay, we, we could use strings in it. Uh, Very methodical, I think I said that, Diane, and very, uh, a lot of discoveries uh, for the clients. So very popular. And they do, like, also make a client sign a contract because they say, well, okay, here's the thing. You can't, you could go through the bin after we've binned it, uh, but, you know, you can't be a part of the binning process because that slows it down. And actually, the re, they don't like doing the re- Placing. So, you know, once you say, well, keep it binned or "Or I'll go through the bins and put it back, then they say, okay, well, we could do a system where we put it back in two weeks, like it is in the picture. So, anyway, they're mostly on the front end because they're trying to find this challenge coin. And it it sounds like longer than it would do. It sounds more complicated. I mean, it is uh, focused and detail oriented. So, but really, and I think about, uh, I don't know, cleansing in some sense, but they're not cleansing anything. They're just checking everything to make sure everything is checked, uh, but basically because you're clearing out an area into one area. Uh, but if you're doing it for six or eight hours in, in a row with breaks, of course, they take breaks, uh... They are. They don't. They. Like, they do kind of try to make sure everybody. It's very like there's a mindfulness to it. I think so. Maybe that's what the condo uh, popularity too. though so they don't have an emotional t- attachment. So it actually makes it. Uh, I guess it's zen-like. Uh, I guess you'd say Diane. But you're focusing on every item. But you're not focusing on your feelings. You're saying, okay, this is a a, a can of corn. Clearly not a, a Radiotopia challenge coin. And you say that, placing the can of corn, and the same person says that uh, when they say, they say, I mean, they might have a different term. They say, oh, this is a corned can or whatever, and then place it. But that way, when you're saying it, uh, so it's interesting for me to watch and hear it because it's uh, very uh, uh, relaxing and surreal, even though for them it's work. Yeah, so they went to work in this place, and they did everything. They went through the grid-by-grid grid system, top to bottom, and the coin did not reappear. And while there's no such thing as perfection, you know, it could have, like, they checked behind everything. They look in um, the vents and things. But, you know, anything, there's no 100% accurate way to check Oh, yes, they do. And they do, check, uh, they do check pockets, of course, like all that stuff, Diane. Uh, but, yeah, so there was no 100%. But they said, you know, they say we're pretty confident the coin is not here, especially a challenge coin. If you're not familiar with the challenge coin, Diane, it's much bigger than even the old silver dollar or a 50-cent piece. It's about a one-inch di- uh is that a radius? A radius of probably one inch? No, probably a two inch radius, Diane. Uh, again, I'm not exactly clear on my terms, and also GNTK are listening now because we're we're trying to refocus. Uh, because here's where uh, the good news and the, not the the news that makes it a, a more of a mystery kind of Diane is that uh, we did not find the coin search by search. 90 to 95 percent certain the coins not in this home. Uh, then, of course, this also included their car. So then we also did a like a grid by grid analysis of their schedule, right? Uh, but this is where the towns uh, makes this is where the ticking clock comes in, Diane, because the ticking clock is, uh, uh, you know, the towns is not a um municipal area. It's a private business uh, where people live. I guess they don't understand how the real estate business works. Uh, But I'm pretty sure the town, like people own the homes or rent the homes, uh, but the town owns the land underneath and makes the rules, you know, within the rules of the world uh, or policies. I guess they would call them policies or terms of service. And some of the terms of service and policies are planned out. Uh, some come up organically over time, and some are like uh, have to be adjusted and readjusted uh, as you know they're, they're learning their way, even though they're some sort of corporate enterprise. And they also have to figure out that they're a business uh, within a sensitive area because human beings are living there. In human beings in a certain stage of life. And uh, the, the, then there's a legacy of just being human throughout the history of humanity. And one part of life is lo- lost to things. That's what our case is, and lost and found. And that's where we get into the terms of service or the policy. And this is where we're kind of rehashing things, G, D, K, and A. Because because they've planned stuff out and readjusted and things, they have the towns has a very clear lost and found policy, Diane, which I would have never expected. And it's not only is it clear; it's very strict. There's very strict rules, and uh, in, the rules are enforced. And that's for any, not just the town itself, but any anything operating in the town. Uh, so you have restaurants and businesses that lease and run businesses within the town. They have to follow the lost and found policy. Uh, clubs and associations uh, have to follow the policy. All town-based, town-owned businesses have to follow the policies. Um, any, now, this is just within the lim- limits of the town, but actually a lot of the Businesses on the outskirts have just kind of developed, gone with the same policy. Uh, So basically, if you're running an organization within the town, even now, this has become so ubiquitous that even if you have a house party and you find something and you don't know who the guest is, most people will turn it in uh, to their local community lost and found. And the lost and found clock will start ticking, Diane. And it's interesting, because it might be hard to initially understand, but the lost and found... So let's say you were like our friend here. You lost your Radiotopia Challenge coin, and you were hitting golf balls at the driving range. It fell out of your pocket. Uh, have we che- Diane did... or uh, GDK, did we check any driving ranges? Okay, we do. We, they don't play golf. Okay. Well, hitting a ball in a driving range is different than playing golf. So, okay, according to their schedule, they didn't go to a driving range. Okay, so this is a good example then. So your your, your challenge coin fall. Okay, well, you're right. Let's say it's a Radiotopia scarf, uh, so we don't get mixed up. That's what G and DK are saying. Okay, or a hat. Uh, okay, let's just say a scarf because like and it blew away while you're at the driving range. And then you drove home, you, you got home, you forgot you lost your scarf. Someone at the driving range finds it. They say, well, this is a lovely, uh, look at this. It has all the artwork from the criminal podcast down here. Lovely. Uh, let's turn it in to lost and found at the driving range. Okay, here's where the clock starts ticking. That day, it goes into one of two boxes, Diane. Uh, Current month and last month. And you you have a a ticking clock of 30 days plus the 15th of the month. So if you lost it on uh, October 2nd, it it would stay in lost and found from October 2nd to November 2nd, and then from November 2nd to November 15th. Uh, Is that clear? But if you lost it on the 14th, it would only stay... Uh, October, November 14th, and then to November 15th, so anywhere from 30 to 45 days, and then the 15th of the month is a donation day, and it's a well-known day, all these boxes and all these items must be donated on this day, and that's the rule, Like plain and simple, very easy to understand, uh, there's a list of businesses or non-profits that you could donate to. It's a pretty extensive list. Of course, people kind of debate it when it's time every two years to add new businesses to the list. Uh, but we're not going to get into that. So, for example, with a Radiotopia Scarf, now, also, this is free stuff for, for these businesses, donations. So they do have to go through things. Uh, and say, well, I don't know if we could sell that. It might be better off uh, uh, to be recycled or something. Uh, but with, Now, each business gets to choose where they send stuff. So you might send it to, uh, you know, like any of these places that run thrift shops. That's the number one receiver of lost and found items. And again, it's considered property. So if people are taking stuff that's out of lost and found that's not theirs, they could be in trouble. And so the, let's use the Radiotopia scarf. Then the Radiotopia scarf, uh, you know, goes to the, the, like uh, the the Happy Fun Time uh, thrift shop for uh, literacy action, uh, joy through happy, you know, happiness through books and uh, you know t- tutoring people, uh, increasing literacy, and that the, the, they sell stuff to support that uh, foundation or whatever. They would get the Radiotopia scarf. They would say, okay, we're going to sell this for like whatever, for $500 because it's so great. And then they would put it out there. And then, of course, they would put it on sale. And they say, okay, we'll take $400 or whatever. You, you know what I mean, Diane. So that's kind of the chain of custody of the, the the most of the items. Now, good question, Diane. What about currency? Because people lose currency all the time. Or what about due diligence? Two good questions. So due diligence—if you lost something with your ID on it—they are supposed to try to track you down and they do their due diligence, and they like they leave that in the, the report. They say, "Well, I tried Bob Smith. Uh, tried to find Bob Smith. Didn't do it. Shredded Bob Smith's uh, uh, whatever four diamond card, or called the company on the card." Uh, but when it comes to currency, the currency is just donated. And again, it goes through this donation, like a, there's a list of possible donations. And literally, we've been running through these rules because it goes even deeper than that. Right as I'm talking this out, G just raised her finger because uh, she says, uh, okay, there's another interesting aspect of this. There's paper money, and then there's corn money. And uh, you know, and all the money must be donated to to a non profit on list. But uh, DK just said, as her and G are kind of pointing at this uh, contract, it can be donated. Uh, like uh, so, this is interesting. It's a new thing. Okay, that's interesting. So four years ago, there's an addendum here or whatever what do they call it. Uh, you could donate it by, uh, so that, like if, if there's a fountain uh, where the money in the fountain is donated to charity, uh, that's listed on the list, you could throw the money in the fountain. And uh, this was because of, uh, oh, this was when they had the bouncy houses, which there was a lot of change at the bouncy houses, uh, which the bouncy houses don't exist anymore. But this is when this was added, uh. They, only, they were only open for six months, Diane. I mean, common sense, but a lot of sense was lost uh, at the bouncy houses. And they would actually, the bouncy house thing, they would go to the big fountain at the center of uh, one of the villages in the towns and throw all the money in there. And, you know, there's cameras and stuff, so no one takes the money. And that money all went to a great organization, uh, so that's very, very interesting. And in the end, all that money gets donated. Um, and okay, so Dane, I'm going to check back with you because we're going to retrace the steps of all the businesses we think. Now, unfortunately, oh, here's where I don't think I said this the clock has already expired. So we have all the businesses our person visited. But now we need to find one if anyone remembers the challenge coin or it was accidentally saved. Uh, so we have four restaurants, uh, a, a dentist's office. Uh, uh, oh, the, 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 oh, they didn't drive. Okay, so the um, the, the car service they used in the bowling alley. So, we, so we have, we're going to go to all these places. We're going to see one, do you remember the challenge coin? We're gonna be gumshoeing, Diane. So I'll be back with with the update uh, really soon. Okay, Diane, I'm back, and uh, the plot thickens a little because uh, so we went to the restaurants, one of which was the um the the same place where you make your own sandals that we had already we'd been to uh, Cracks, make your own crack restaurant while you uh, order your food. And another place that was specialized in milkshakes. So we, we went to all those places. It, but, so this is a lead-up day, and none of them had any—they said, no, I, you know, I run the uh, Lost and Found or the bowling alley. I said, yeah, Lost and Found's here with the shoes. Or I separate the the money from the, the goods, and I uh, don't remember a challenge going. Or a couple of places were unsure. So we, we then we started going— and putting in stuff in, like, like in in, in their own investigative bins. Okay, definitely no, probably, like, but let's double-check with uh, whatever the place they donated to, uh, or definitely possible, or, you know, unlikely, those kind of bins, Diane. Now, we also initially were like, what is a challenge coin? Would people view it as, a, like, a, a piece of currency, or would they know it is a, like a token or a collectible item? And there was only one place we were having trouble getting a hold of. Uh, and it was the one with the most work. So we went and we checked. some. None of the thrift stores had any uh, things. We went to a couple of the banks that processed the, the spare change for some places. And none of them had... Uh, Like, they said, no, no, we don't have any challenge coins. This is what we actually do. We would actually bring it back to the thrift shop if it was a challenge coin, if it it was another currency, if it's a collectible. And they actually led us to another interesting thing, Diane, because the bank said, oh, no, no, we're here for our, you know, we're part of the solution. So they said, actually, if they found a rare coin, for example... Because this is, is a rare, would you think a challenge going to a rare coin? And I said, well, it's pretty big. Because yeah, we always had the, the belt buckle for a reference. We said, but it's not this, you know, the belt buckle's is kind of like a, uh, the 99 PI one. It's like something you see on Star Wars, a little bit of color, like a color, like a shiny black, with a matte, like a matte shiny black or something. I don't know how to describe it, Diane. But just as a reference point. And we also had pictures of it. Yeah, but so they uh, what happened? Oh, oh, so oh, the bank said, if we found a rare coin when we're processing the currency, we actually contact the business, uh, and then we help them decide what to do with it. Now, and then we say, okay, we they contact the business and the charity, and the reason for that, Diane, is another big. Uh, I guess it's a clue, maybe. Is that the uh, the business gets the tax credits uh, for the donation, and these rare coins can actually have a huge impact on that because they say, "Well, this coin was worth this much money," and so and, and then we said, "Wait a second, is this fair?" And then we said, "Oh, wait, no, yeah, it is because it's perpetuating honesty uh, because of the thing like everybody's very honest with how they handle you know all the business owners." Uh, or even people that say say—if you're not—you like—you're not, you're like, you're a club—you'd get a huge like award from the charity because they'd say, "Well, you can't do a tax write-off, but that coin was worth like—it uh, really helped out our our mission." So it was kind of like a brilliant win-win. Yeah, uh, but it also helped us as we looked down our list uh, to this last business, Diane. Now, I think I talked about this in recently. So, there is a, you know, there is like a, a outside of the towns now or the villages. Is a, it's very good car share car instead of taxis. People take a car sharing; they call it, I think, or, or you know, where you open an app and the car comes to get you. Now, because the village, the towns is because the towns is very planned out. You know, they were initially the different companies were trying to get in. And the, the residents and the thing were very resistant, and it was a whole big to-do, and a lot of money was spent saying we don't want your car shares here and all of that. And then this uh, this local head of the physicians group, Diane, came up with this wonderful idea called Tuber instead of the other companies. Uh, the physician said, well, I, well you know, I, I I work really, I'm really involved with this community. And even though they're not a resident, they're they're looked up to. And they said, well, what about uh, if we take this idea uh, of the car sharing and we, we make it better for all the residents? And so they kind of uh, worked to, to create Tuber, which w- was always have a chaperone. And that was actually good for lost and found for the most part. Tuber has one of the lowest lost and founds because the chaperone's job is to check the back seat of the car when the guests get out. Uh, but then it was also like uh, uh, the physician was like, maybe it's better, you know, to, to encourage less driving for the environment uh, for, for everybody. But then they said, well, and they said, well, it's less expensive than cabs, but they were still saying, well, I don't know about the cost of this. So then this physician said, uh, what if we have tuber and then tuber free? And they said, well, what is the tuber free? And they said, what if we pick you up, uh, you pick where you pick you, you want to be picked up, we'll pick you up, uh, 1,000 steps from where you want to be picked up, uh, and we'll drop you off 1,000 steps from your destination. Also, the chaperone will walk with you those 1,000 steps, uh, and then the chaperone gets picked back up. And we'll work to get grants, and it'll be free. It'll encourage walking. And you know, now, now it is a trade off. Uh, like so, so they figured out all that. You say, well, what about people? that and we said, well, well, they figured that out. Don't worry, Dan. They they worked all the angles slowly. Uh, that's just a basic vision, not the actual policy. Uh, but that wasn't basically the policy. You say, well, if you if you if you're a walker already, you walk two thousand steps, you get a free ride. Also, there's, like, the gray economy, day. and So there was people uh, that would drive around in their golf carts and say, hey, I can pick you up uh, and, and give you a ride those thousand steps for, like, $2 uh, in cash, you know. And that was just, like, a, you know, that, that was an unregulated business. Uh, so that's Tuber, and the, the, the physician was the, the, the brainchild behind that. Uh, And that's really where our attention went, because uh, we know our client took two Tuber rides, uh, two Tuber free rides, uh, around the time the the, the day the coin went missing. And so then we said, okay, as we've gathered things, we couldn't get a hold of Tuber. Now, Diane, this is interesting, that Tuber is actually just one of those companies that's built on the backbone of their architecture or something. And we actually worked with some of our friends to say, oh, wait a second, this is actually the same. It's just a small division of uh, this, this larger company. Uh, but we went to the physician because a physician is not just a figurehead, uh, but was also, when we, we try to figure out, where your lost and found money go? And I don't know, we just wanted to interview the physician. The physician said that... Uh, all of it was going down this well, but they said, I'm glad you're here because there's something, uh, I don't know, that that I've been thinking about is uh, I don't think all the money's going down, just going down the well. And we said, well, what do you mean? And they said, uh, like, uh, I don't know, because so this one was where you throw your coins down a well. And so then we went with them to the the well, where the money's supposed to go down. Then the money would eventually get collected and donated. But to this person, it had a lot of meaning. The throwing, and we said, "Okay, well, maybe the challenge coins in there." And you know, G and D K are kids, so we we couldn't have them just climb in there like they were in the Goonies or something. So it became time for Phantom Minnow mode. Now the physician didn't see any. of This. uh, but I travelled down and it was a bit you know, it's a decorative thing. But also like actually you're probably same maybe inspired by the Goonies, and I think this person was a big Goonies fan. But so I went down there and lo and behold uh none of the, 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 the uh the, the, the there was only pennies down there, Diane. No other coins, uh and only pennies. And, and then uh, what G and DK did was they got binoculars, and they pretended they could see down there for the physician's benefits. And then I got back and told them, I said, there's no pennies. There's only pennies down there, no other change. It was like uh, it was the 12th of the month, so it should have been full of, full of things uh, because they were also going to collect on the, the, the 14th. They were going to collect all the stuff down there. And then we got into a forensic analysis situation, so we had to follow paper trails with the f- the person, the figurehead, saying this is odd. Why are there only pennies in there? And then I actually went back to to uh, the big farm Diane, and I, I had to get my teams, uh, and they said we have to. Now that's where you crowdsource things, and we, you know, I had such a powerful force of uh, post earthly help. Uh, at the fundamental enterprises or whatever I'm calling it. Uh, and we quickly found out uh, that uh, what, what uh, Tuber's parent company had done was they had seen the tax things and the, the also the even the carbon costs and the cost of moving anything but pennies and the, the raw materials and looked at, like, how they could maximize their deductions. And uh, uh, so they had this whole, like, system that was unrelated to, to the technical calendar because uh, it was, like, some sort of automated coin market or something. Uh, and, and it didn't, like, ended up being quite the news, uh, you know, for, for, for the uh, the town's courier. Oh sorry I said town herald courier thank thank you uh thank you gee and it was also done in conjunction with the podcast so the good news was uh in exchange for, for the podcast uh they went uh, and looked and like they did a whole episode looking for the coin and they gave us a new coin temporarily. And then they actually found the coin, and also G and D K now probably end up being podcasters because they got to learn a lot. Yeah, because everybody from criminal came down and kind of taught them the ropes. So, so it was a really wonderful experience. I mean, I was only observing it, but uh, the case. So the case was ended up being solved. They were holding that. Uh, and checking automatically, their computer algorithms or whatever, saying when is the height of the Radiotopia Challenge coin value on the secondary market? If we donate it at that time, we will, then we donate the money to the then we get a maximum write-off. Uh, but the twist was, Diane, and I'll close with this: that they actually were hoping. They here's the surprise: it didn't it didn't sink Tuber or tuber-free, those were successes, but they were unintentional successes. They had agreed to tuber-free because they thought tuber-free would fail, and then they could just come in and run non-tuber-free. So I guess, like, like in the end, uh, more than one case was solved. It was wonderful. Uh, And, you know, sometimes things that they want to go wrong go right in the right way. In the coins, find their way home. Uh, So that's it, Diane. Another case closed uh, with my good friends Gene, DK, and you listening in. Good night.